Hello, 2020. Hello, everyone. Hi. Wow. That was so enthusiastic. <laughs> Maybe one day when Katie says hi, she'll say more than hi. <laughs> I am so bad at introductions. I don't want to hear it. That's peak level excitement for Katie, though. That's like, yeah, no, so like excited Katie. Marissa. Yeah. I hear you have a little bit of a story to tell us. Oh, the um, the mysterious death of Pong Chunk? Yes. Let's... That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I have a son, he's three, he's going to be four in December, and he's an only child. He has an imaginary friend, which I'm not saying is weird because we all had imaginary friends, I think. 100%. And he, he named him Punk Chunk. Um, again, not sure, not sure. You know, he's just being creative. So Punk Chunk was like, he was part of the fam. Like, he was here all the time. And I was told that every time I went in the room and, like, Punk Chunk was there, that I had to say hi to him and that I had to shake his hand with my foot. Cause I don't know if he was like always laying down or he was just really small. I'm not sure, but I had to give my foot and shake it and say like, Hey, Pong Chunk. So one night, <laughs> one night I was getting ready to put my son to bed and he pointed to, no, no, he didn't point to the floor. Usually he points to the floor and tells me like, that's my signal to, to um, address Pong Chunk in the room. He didn't point to the floor. So I just, I did it on my own. Oh no! I shook my foot and I'm like, Pong Chunk, are you ready for bed? And I got like the side eye and he looked at me like I was completely fucking nuts. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> saying hi to Pong Chunk. Like, is he on the other side of the room or something? And he was like, Pong Chunk, not here. Pong Chunk in the city. <laughs> I'm like, what? And then he rolled his eyes and like, how dare you not me. know that? Like I was fucking stupid. And I'm like, wait a minute. What didn't even ask me or tell anybody that he was going? It's cold. Is he wearing a jacket? Like, who did he go with? How long is he going for? I had questions about Pong Chunk. He didn't want to answer any of them. He just ignored oh. me. So the next day I'm like, is Pong Chunk back from the city? And I was told that Pong Chunk is not coming back. <laughs> he doesn't want him here. He disappeared. And he has a new friend now named Punk. Just punk. <laughs> I'm like, wait what a minute. Happened? Where's Pong Chunk? And he was got real mysterious and real shady. And he looked around a little bit. I'm like, Nikki, like, tell me the truth. It's just me and you here. Like, did you kill Pong Chunk? <laughs> oh my God. Did you kill him? And he's like, no. Oh, that's I'm convincing. Like, okay. Oh, I'm like, what? well, who killed him? And he's like, no one. He just disappeared. He's not coming back. Oh. So then I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm just trying to smile. Like I'm not raising a, a small serial killer, but I don't, I don't know <laughs> if he is. And then the other night, I'm taking pictures of Punk and Nikki, and he brings a little, t a small dinosaur to the, um, to the couch, and he's like, do you know who this is? And I'm oh. like. T-Rex. And again, I get the side eye, roll his eyes. I'm fucking stupid. The stupidest <laughs> girl in the world. And he's like, that's baby Pong Chunk. I'm like, oh. Pong Chunk has a baby? Where is Pong Chunk back? And he's like, no, I told you he's not coming back. I'm like, why do you have his baby? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who got this baby? And he's like, me and Punk. I'm like, oh, they stole my a child. Yeah, and killed his father. It sounds oh. like Punk had something to do with this. Punk is a bad influence. Punk is shady, man. So is Nikki. They're both <laughs> shady. <laughs> They're both shady. 
So, I mean, I guess I'll just keep you guys updated if anything comes of this case. But right now, it's just a missing person case. Punk Chunk is missing. If anybody's heard anything, I know nothing about this man. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Okay, well, moving on from the Punk Chunk Chronicles, I do have an actual story for you guys today. So, let's get started. My name's Katie, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Karina and Marissa. And every week, one of us will take the lead in telling you a true crime story. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the rules. Okay. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> okay, guys. This week, it's my turn. And I'm going to be telling you the story about what happened to, at the time, 17-year-old Kendrick Johnson. Kendrick Johnson was a 17-year-old high school boy from Valdosta, Georgia. He was said to be fairly quiet, but always really sweet and just loved by everyone who knew him. According to his mother, Jackie, Kendrick also loved to play sports. He ran track, he played basketball, but his real passion was football. He wanted to play for the Florida Gators and had a dream to one day even play professionally. Unfortunately, Kendrick wouldn't get the chance to see those dreams become a reality because on January 10th, 2013, something happened that would end up taking his life. Now I say something because there is a lot to unpack with this case. There are many theories amongst people involved, and even the public has their own strong opinions about what happened on that day. So follow along closely because this is about to get intense. On January 10th, 2013, Kendrick stayed after school to attend a sporting event that was being held that evening, and he was supposed to return home right after it finished. His parents were aware of what his plans were for the day and figured if something changed, he'd be sure to call them and let them know. By around 10 o'clock p.m., Kendrick's mother, Jackie, started to worry that he hadn't returned home yet. This was way later than high school games would usually go, and she had been feeling uneasy for a while that she hadn't heard from him. So at this point, she decides that she's going to drive over to the school and see what's going on. Maybe she'll see that the game isn't over, or maybe she'll see him hanging out with friends on the property, or even walking home. You never know. So Jackie searches around for a while and finds zero traces of him anywhere. It's now around midnight, and she knows that something is wrong and that she has to notify the authorities to file a missing persons report for Kendrick. The next morning, the first thing Jackie does is head straight back to Kendrick's school so she can put up missing persons flyers. Since this was the last known location of Kendrick's that she had, she figured if anyone's going to know something, it's got to be one of the students. Maybe they were at the game too and saw him leave, or maybe they spoke to him and he told them about what he was going to do after. Pretty much just any information would help. Around 10.30 a.m., a group of students were in the school gym and noticed socks sticking out of one of the rolled-up standing wrestling mats. And here's where things start to take a turn. The students who saw the mat didn't initially think much of it, but as they got closer, they realized there was actually someone stuck inside. Now, I don't know if these kids assumed that the person in there was still alive, but without thinking, they attempt to get the mat down to find out what's going on. 
This, of course, moves whatever was inside, potentially skewing evidence or even contaminating it. Now, I don't think this was intentional or even their fault. Most people, especially, you know, 17, 16-year-old kids, probably don't immediately assume that they're about to be putting their hands all over a crime scene. So, one of the students at this point actually attempts to pull Kendrick out of the mat and does manage to move him a little bit. But once the smell of the decomposition hits the air, they realize this person's dead. Another student immediately calls 911, and the group of them are moved to a new gym on campus. The entire school is put on lockdown while they await for the authorities to arrive and investigate what has happened. Once they arrive, police begin to assess the mat along with the surrounding area. Now, as far as his body positioning is concerned, Kendrick was in an inverted position. So, to give you a visual, his feet were towards the top of the mat, and his head was towards the bottom, and both of his arms were laying flat against his body on either side. Police are able to identify two pairs of shoes inside the mat along with Kendrick. One pair is found towards the top of the mat, tucked behind his feet, and another single shoe is found underneath his body by his head. Authorities also find a pool of blood at the base of the mat, but it's important to note here that none of this blood is found on that single shoe that I just mentioned at the base of the mat. In fact, it seems to be sitting on top of the blood. Now for some backstory. Because the school charged students to use the lockers, Kendrick and his friends would store their belongings inside of these rolled up mats for safekeeping. Now another thing to note here is it's January 10th, so the students have just returned back from their winter break, and during the period of time that the school was empty, the administration had decided to move more mats into the old gym as kind of a permanent storage place for them. This meant that the one that Kendrick and his friends used was now behind several more rolls of mats, making it potentially more difficult to access. Authorities at some point checked the security camera footage of both the gym and the surrounding hallways. When they surveyed the footage, they're able to see Kendrick enter the gym alone around 1.09 p.m., and it shows him walking towards where the wrestling mats were actually stored. Now, it's important to note here that there is no footage of Kendrick ever leaving the gym, only entering. The tapes then show three minutes later a group of students walking into the same exact gym. And from what police are able to see in this footage is really nothing out of the ordinary. The students don't look panicked, like they just walked in to find someone struggling to get out of a mat, or to find someone screaming for help. It's said that this is also the time that Kendrick is supposed to be attending a weightlifting class, and that would explain why he was even going to the gym in the first place. He was going to get his sneakers. And he is in fact marked absent from this class because he never shows up. So timeline-wise, this would be when something had to happen to him. But how is it that three minutes after being seen entering the gym, the students who walk in show absolutely no signs of concern or fear or even excitement? I don't know. It's unclear. Now, getting back to the sequence of events going on, Kendrick's mom, Jackie, is still at the high school when all of this is discovered. She hasn't left since she arrived earlier that morning to put up missing persons flyers. It's at this point that Jackie is told that it's her son that's been found inside of the mat. Now, I cannot imagine what went through her mind when she was given this news. I mean, she finds out that her son has passed away at the same time as literally everyone else who was in that gym. So 
So the preliminary investigation and autopsy is done on Kendrick's body, and the police quickly rule that this was all just an extremely unfortunate accident. In fact, according to CBS News, the Sheriff's Department ruled Kendrick's death as an accident within 24 hours of discovering his body. Investigators said that Kendrick had most likely been attempting to reach into the standing mat in order to retrieve a pair of sneakers that he and his friends stored inside of them. They said his death is a tragic accident, but that's all it was, an accident. A quote from CBS News states, Sheriff Chris Prine has said that he suspected Johnson became trapped trying to retrieve a shoe that fell into the center of the large rolled mat. A Georgia Bureau of Investigation medical examiner concluded that he died from positional asphyxia, his body stuck in a position in which he couldn't breathe. So, at this point, there is no mention of any injuries to the body or really anything unusual at all. He simply got stuck and due to lack of space, he was unable to crawl back out of the mat and, and eventually asphyxiated. Now, like I said, it was known that some students used these mats as a means of storage, so that part isn't all that strange. However, there were other details that just really didn't seem to make any sense. So I want to talk about this wrestling mat for a minute. According to reports, these mats, when rolled up, had a roughly 14-inch hole in the center and stood about 6 feet tall. Just for your reference, Kendrick is 5 foot 10 inches and shoulder to shoulder measured 19 inches in diameter. Now, I know I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure 19 is significantly larger than 14. While all of this is happening, Kendrick's parents, Jackie and Kenneth, are really struggling to accept the notion that what happened to their son was an accident. Just based on his size alone, Kendrick would have had a really hard time getting himself that far down into the mat without any outside help. It was said during the investigation that he could have squeezed his shoulders together in an effort to make his body narrower for the descent into the mat, but his parents weren't buying it. Now here's where things start to get even more unsettling. Remember the pair of sneakers I mentioned that were found below Kendrick's head sitting in the pool of blood? The ones that, according to police, literally got him into this situation in the first place? Well, how is it possible that the blood was found underneath what Kendrick was re reaching into the mat for in the first place? Because if the blood came from Kendrick, how did it only go underneath the sneaker? And guess what else? There was a sweatshirt and another pair of gym shoes found lying on the floor along with traces of blood on a nearby wall of the scene. Okay, so maybe we're looking at possible evidence? Maybe the outfit was left behind by someone who could have had something to do with what happened? No, probably not. Let's not test it. Investigators decided that it was all a coincidence and didn't need to be taken into evidence. And the blood on the wall? Well, the test came back that it wasn't Kendrick's, which thereby rendered it unimportant. How is it possible that his body was physically too large to wedge itself into the mat, not a major indication that this was not an accident? How is the fact that the blood was found on the ground and not the sneaker above it? How is that not troubling? Please explain to me, because it's defying some laws of physics, I'm pretty sure. And how are items belonging to an unknown individual in the crime scene not automatically tested? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. What do you guys think? Four cameras, but basically there's like an hour missing from each one of the cameras. They cut it. Yeah, they cut the footage. That's right. like my main fucking issue with this case, because this is a, we're talking about a school. Right. What reason would there be for you to cut the footage from a school gym. It's confusing because the school obviously says they never touched anything. And the police department says, we never touched anything. We just got it from the school. But like, 
someone touched something. Otherwise, I guess it's just that they had faulty cameras and just happened to not record the hour where something went down. Yeah, of course. That's what always happens, right? That an Epstein's cameras just happened to be off than when he died in his cell. Right. It's just, it's what always happens. It's tales all this time. They really think we're stupid. These people really think we're stupid. And it really bothers me because that I think is where the answers will lie. Mm -hmm. My issue also with the surveillance is I would like that, like, I don't want to just see the gym footage. I want to see all the footage of that day. I want to see. I was just going to say that. Yep. Yeah. I want to see the footage of Kendrick from that day prior. I did see. So someone, it was, it was someone later on, way later on who maybe it was the guy from CBS. He looks at all of the footage from the entire day. And I think he says he finds 18 minutes total of him being on camera. He sees him like walk into school at seven 30. He sees him a couple more times, but then he's never seen again on the camera past one Oh nine. And, and the fact mm -hmm. that they don't test the blood on the wall that's is mind blowing. That's fucking, actually insane. Yeah. That makes me so mad. They literally say it's, we see that it's not Kendrick's and we're pretty sure it's old blood anyway. Oh, um, so it's not. How do you important. see that? How it's do not you Kendrick's. see that? They, they do. It? They, te <laughs> they test the blood, but they only oh. test it to see if it's Kendrick's. And when it comes back negative, they don't bother to find out whose blood it belongs, like whose blood it is. What kind of fucking crime scene would ever make that decision? I've never even heard of that in anything, in t even in TV shows, in movies. Anywhere there's any minute amount of blood in a crime scene, they take it into evidence right away. Yeah, it's not normal for there to be blood splattered on the school wall. Like, that's not fucking normal, is it? No, it's definitely not. And, I mean, it's unsettling just to have it there in general. But then to have a crime scene and you just basically disregard it because you're like, well, it didn't come back as the victims. So like, but we know who the victim is. So if it's not the victims, don't you think maybe you want to test it to see who is it is? I mean, I don't know. I guess the kids wouldn't be in the database. So I don't know how they could figure out whose blood it was, but I don't know. I also want to kind of put myself in the shoes of like, say you're coming, like say I'm Kendrick, right? And I find out or I realize, oh, I left my sneakers inside a mat. Would your first inclination be to reach in and, like, obstruct your body to get sneakers? Or would you just unroll the mat and get them and then go? Well, okay. So the mats are huge. And on top of that, they are all pretty much stacked in the corner of this gym. Okay. So really, if he were even going to try and get it down, he probably couldn't do it himself. But on top of that, because like I said, they had moved new mats into the gym, his blue mat that he had been using with his friend was now blocked by a bunch of new big rolled mats. So he wouldn't even have had the room to tip it over and try and just pull his shoes out. So, okay. So then to keep going with that. So say you did reach in, right? And you like kind of fell and you're falling into a mat with like your reaction of like panic and like fear of like kicking and moving your body, wouldn't that ricochet into some movement around you? Like were any of the other mats fall, like did they fall over or like were they moved or was it just his mat isolated? No, all of the mats were still standing. Um, again, if I have to attribute this to something, I really just think it's because of the sheer size of all of them. They're all kind of leaning on each other. So if you're okay. looking, if you know, if you're looking at the corner of a room and, Someone's trying to get into the one that's in the actual corner. And then 
in basically a triangle shape all around it. You've got all these really big mats. I I can't imagine that even you using your body weight to try and, you know, wiggle out would knock any of them over. Okay. So like in this time, like I know it's, I get it's a huge mat. I get it's rolled up tight and whatever. Nobody was anywhere around for any time after to hear or see something. Like you don't think he would be screaming. They're trying to say that his screams would be muffled. It's a gym. Like everything echoes in the gym. There's no way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially because if he fell, let's just say if he fell in, you're probably going to start immediately panicking. I mean, immediately. You'd like, like I said, screaming right way, away. Yeah, he's way bigger than the diameter of this mat. I mean, he probably figured out pretty quickly that he can't fit. I'm stuck. Yeah. No, I just can't imagine you being able to take five inches off of your width to be able to get in there and have enough room to then continue to slide down. Like, I, I understand how gravity works. But at the same time, I also understand how friction works. And if your shoulders are pressed up against the side of a mat, it's hard to believe that you're just going to slide down almost six feet. Like he would have to be in like an almost like um, either like a diving position, mm-hmm. right? Or like have hit, like you're going down the slide at like fucking six flags. Like you're going down that big slide and you have to hold your hands close to your sides. Right. Like none of that would happen if you if you were going to grab your shoe. Your arm would go in first, like your head and your shoulders would be on top of your arm. Like if you mm-hmm. drop something off of your bed and you go to get it, you don't put your arms over your head and go in. You reach your arm first and then it's your chest and then it's your head. Like that's how it would happen. And it wouldn't be both hands. It would be one hand because he would have the other hand balancing on the top of the mat. Mm-hmm. So if he really fell in that way, he would be like, it would be one arm up, one arm down. The whole thing, the whole story doesn't make any, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And he was not like a big kid. He was like a high school age kid. He was an athlete. There's no way, there's no way that he was like slender enough to just like shimmy down a hole and get stuck in the middle. And even like, say he is, say all this happened. He, his scream was muffled. I still cannot try to tell myself how it's possible for the blood to not be on top of the shoe. Exactly. It's, it does not, there's no way. It's just, it, it makes no sense. There's no logical explanation. And right. he would have had to be gripping for his life. Like he would have been had the gripping or whatever. They're gym mats. They're like gymnastics mats, which I'm real familiar with. Like when you make an impression on the, on the gymnastics mat, it's there for like a second. Mm-hmm. Like you could see where you made the impression. If you were stuck on with it, like you were stuck on it for five hours, like your impression would be wherever you were stuck. And as far as I know, like there's no impression of him anywhere. I, I definitely never read anything about an impression. So it, it just makes the, the whole thing makes no sense to me. It just seems very shady off the bat. And then like to, to make that kind of quick decision to call that an accident less than in, in a day is bold. It's like, I, that's really, really weird. That's, v- that's very concerning. Shortly after Kendrick's body was found, a man named Reverend Floyd Rose from the Valdosta Southern Christian Leadership Conference was contacted by the Johnson family and asked to help with an independent investigation into what may have potentially happened to their son. He of course agrees and remains doing so for quite some time. They even hold a public rally in April of 2013, blocking the entrance to the Lowndes County Courthouse, desperately trying to grab the attention of anyone who could help them solve what they think happened to their son. 
They ended up being arrested during this rally for civil disobedience, and it's Reverend Rose who uses his own home as collateral to pay Jackie Johnson's bond to have her released from jail. So it's pretty blatantly obvious that Kendrick's parents were not in agreement from the beginning with the Sheriff's Department's initial ruling. It's been months since Kendrick's body was discovered, and they were not any closer to getting people to listen to them. So they did what anyone else would have done. They pushed back. They firmly believed investigators had not spent nearly enough time examining all of the evidence and that their rule-out of potential foul play came far too quickly. They questioned the fact that if this were an accident, how is it possible that in a school of 3,000 people, not one person was able to hear him crying or shouting for help? It should also be noted at this time that according to the Georgia state law, upon the discovery of a body, the coroner needs to be contacted immediately. And in this case, the Lowndes County coroner, Bill Watson, confirmed that he received no word until six hours after the discovery. Watson also discloses that it appeared as though Kendrick's body had in fact been moved at some point. It was during this initial pushback that the case was finally able to take a turn in Kendrick's favor. The Johnsons released a photo to the media of their son's face after he was brought into the funeral home, and it was horrifying. In the photograph, you can see Kendrick's extremely swollen and disfigured face, so much so that he barely resembles a human, let alone himself. And as awful as it must have been to publicize this image of their son, it forced the public to pay attention. Something was not adding up. They were behind the family now. They wanted the answers too. I'm going to show you guys the photograph that they released to the media. I'm like literally trying not to throw up. Just those pictures. It's fuck. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. And the fact that the family had to release this picture of their son to get people to listen to them. They should have had to been shown that photo and then it put away and they never see it again. Because that should have been enough for the law enforcement, enough for the town, enough for the school, enough for everybody to open the investigation and find out what happened to this boy. But this family has to relive that. They have to see this picture over and over and over and over again on purpose just to get people to listen to them. That is like the sickest thing I ever fucking heard. And I feel so bad for them. I can't even. I can tell you exactly what that picture looks like, because once you see it, you you really just you can't unsee it. No, I really, really, really want to talk about the coroner and the medical examiner mm-hmm. people will be like oh what does immediately mean immediately means now when when, the, when you were told immediately you come now six hours what were that's they unheard of that's unheard of they as soon as they walked into that gym and could confirm with their own eyes that there was a dead body he should have been notified i mean that's six hours of now mind you the mat has been moved because the students turned it on its side to try and help so his body the shoes, things that were in it are all shifting. And that's six hours of time on top of the already 21 hours that he's been in there that his body is decomposing. They're losing so many things that they really needed to be taking a look at. And it's just like, oh, what an afterthought. I'll call the coroner six hours later. What? What were you doing? It's also six hours of contamination. Right. The whole, the whole shit is contaminated now. And I get, but that happens a lot. Like when somebody first finds a dead body uh, the fir- your first instinct is to sometimes is to help and like s- to see if they're breathing and whatever that happens sometimes i feel like medical examiners law enforcement they're used to dealing with that level of contamination but this is like a whole bunch of fucking students all different fingerprints hands shoes sweat tears all this shit moving the mat moving the body like 
it's a it's a fucking joke. It's a joke that this went on for six hours before anybody even came in to look at it. And are those six hours in between the me- you know them finding him and the medical examiner being called? Are those six hours on the footage? Not of the school's footage that I know of. I know that the police were documenting what was going on themselves. There's, I believe, mm. a video of them walking around the crime scene showing that they were taking pictures, things like that. Oh, okay. I don't know if they caught the coroner arriving or if by that point they had pretty much finished filming the the crime scene. I mean, it had been six hours. Whose video? The, vi- the, the police are videoing it or like students are videoing it? No, not the students. This was done by the police. So it's like they're... they're- regular crime scene footage right but there's no surveillance of that of this that six hours is missing too of every single article i read there is no mention of what no one mentions anything about what was the school recording during this time i mean those cameras are on there's four of them in there but yeah no one mentions it and the bullshit arguments i'm hearing about how there was no footage cut it's just that the cameras are motion activated so they right. only pick up when there's motion which that's not true that it's a, that's no a load sense. of shit yeah they're not fucking ring doorbell cameras these are school surveillance cameras so whatever let's just say even if that was true this is six hours of a, poli- a full police investigation of the kids finding him of the kids trying to see if he's okay saving him moving the mat all that shit none of that i've just looked everywhere i just looked everywhere for it and i can't find it this this shit is so the the surveillance is so shady to me and I know that in these schools and then this day and age, it's not like an old VCR where you like delete the footage and it's gone forever. Like everything's in a cloud and I know the answers are there somewhere. And that really makes me just want to bang my head against the fucking wall because I know that the answers are there somewhere. All it, all this screams is just shady. There's no other word. You can, this oh, is this- a cover up. This yeah. is a murder and a cover up. And there's literally no two bones about it. There's no other way to look at it. This is a murder and a cover up. They come to the conclusion so quickly that this was an accident. So, okay, fine. I'm not saying that it's not possible that this was an accident, but I just can't imagine walking into that room, taking a look at what you see, and 24 hours later just being like, nope, it was an accident. Like, what about all of the things that I list earlier on? Like, right. you can't be 75% sure this was an accident and then say, nope, but we're going to go with 100% and make that the official cause of death. You, you have to investigate the other 25% that's leading you to believe maybe it wasn't. And correct me if I'm wrong, they they came to the conclusion that he went in for the shoe because the shoe was at the bottom. Correct, that's where he kept his shoes. And that's literally the only fucking thing that they can come up with. That's That's their main reason for coming to that solid conclusion was he dove in this mat to get the shoe and died trying to do it because his shoes were at the bottom and that's where he kept them. Yeah, they say that he was supposed to be going to a weightlifting class. Therefore, he needed his shoes from the place, which he did keep them there. That's that's not being made up. How did he get his shoes every other day? To be honest, I don't know. No one has ever mentioned it. I didn't read it in any of the articles. I mean, it's I... such a joke. He kept his shoes in the mat. How did he get them every other time? The only thing I can think of is that prior to this, when there were no other mats in front of his. Now, his was the blue mat, and it's said that all of the ones around it were, like, white. Right, so they yeah. were the new ones. The only thing I could think of is that prior to this, when there, were, there was nothing blocking his mat, they would just 
tip it over, grab their stuff, and maybe push it back up. I don't know. Because other than that, it would make absolutely no sense if he could get in and out every other time. But then this one time he gets stuck and dies. No one's around coincidentally to hear, see, or, you know, know anything about it. So, okay, let's just say that's true. Because I really, I need that question answered. Like, he he kept his shoes in the mat. It's something he regularly did. So I need to know how he regularly got the shoes on every other day besides this day. Like, let's just say, okay, he couldn't knock the mat over. You're telling me, okay, I can't knock this mat over. My next thought is to scale the bleachers and go all the way up to the top of the mat and fucking dive in. Like, what would, what would his plan even have been? To dive all the way to the bottom? And then how do you cut? He knows he can't knock the mat over from the outside. How is he going to knock it over from the inside? How is he going to get out once he dives? I truly don't know. I don't know if maybe... He had to have had a way to continually get his stuff from inside That's what this I'm mat. Saying. Like, how did he normally get the shoes? And if his normal way of getting the shoes wasn't possible, you cannot tell me his next thought is to scale the bleachers all the way up to the mat to the, or climb another mat or something. Mm-hmm. That's what he decided to do instead of saying, like, getting a friend or getting a teacher or somebody like, yo, like, my shoes are under here. Can you just help me tip this mat real quick? Or let me just go to my coach or the, the teacher who's in charge of my next class and tell him, look, I cannot get my shoes. They're stuck inside a mat that's like I would go back to the class before I tried to literally squeeze myself into a tunnel. A tunnel. That you know you can't get out of. tunnel. Because, like, let's just say he thought he maybe could get in and get the shoes. You're saying it's a six-foot-tall mat. There's no way he thought he could reach in and reach out. He knew he would have to go to the bottom and then come back up. Right. At the very least, he would have to hang on with one hand to the edge and then lower the rest of his body in and then straighten his other arm out. And How? I I just don't know how he thought he was going to get from the top to the bottom. And then, okay, like maybe he thought he could suspend himself. Like maybe he watched a lot of Spider-Man or something and thought that he could fucking suspend himself and scale the inside of the mat somehow. He had to wonder, how am I going to get back up? I'm never going to be able to get back up, especially because on the way up, I'm not going to have hands because I'm going to have my shoes in right. my hands. And I, I just agree. don't understand how not a single soul was around this time. Like people yeah, and like, okay, so this is their old gym, the school's old gym. They do have a new gym, which is where they, you know, would have their gym classes. I think this one right. had kind of been turned into more of basically like a storage area for the equipment. But mm-hmm. I did read somewhere that it was a pretty popular place for people to walk through to get to other places in the school. Like, it's it's not like this was yeah. some chained off room that no one ever entered. I, you know, I don't know how high traffic it really was, but I, people were definitely in there throughout the day. All the time, especially in between periods. And you're saying that this happened after what, after he was last seen entering at 109. And I have to imagine that this didn't happen, you know, one, two, three. What about like after school, like custodians cleaning, like moving things around, like no, nobody noticed anything like that. Apparently not, but I mean, the students the next day noticed his socks sticking out. So it just wouldn't be worth it to me. Like, it's not like he didn't have any shoes on. He had other shoes he could wear to the weight training class. Which I'm assuming were sneakers because I doubt he wore like dress shoes to work, to work, to school. Well, what was he, what was on his feet when they found him? Nothing. He had socks that were slightly like pulled off and 
there was the pair of sneakers that was wedged between his feet and the side of the mat, and then the one sneaker that he was allegedly reaching for. Wearing shoes, mm-hmm. and he took the shoes off to dive into the mat to get the shoes that he needed for the next class. Well, he couldn't have even taken the shoes off. They were found inside the mat. If you took your shoes off, you're going to leave them on the outside. Oh, it's, I'm so, sorry. I thought you said they were found on the outside. No, no, no. They were found on the inside, literally like wedged between his foot, like the back of his foot and the side of the mat. Like his calf was keeping the shoes from falling all the way through. Uh-huh. That does and not how, make sense. How does that happen? <laughs> right. How did the shoe come off? I'm not a physicist. <laughs> But that's not, that How does not make sense. How did the shoe come sense. off from hanging upside down? Some people say that in his struggle to try and get back up, he accidentally kicked them off. Absolutely not. He was able from being suspended upside down to where he can't breathe and no one can hear him screaming. He was able to kick his shoes off. No. He had that much room to kick his shoes off? Well, I get technically, I mean, if you're... Looking at room-wise, that is where he has the most room. Obviously, his ankles and his feet have more wiggle room than the rest of him, but... Yeah, that makes uh-huh. sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I agree. I agree with these findings. Case closed. On May 8, 2013, three months after the initial investigation concluded and after releasing this image to the media a judge finally granted permission to have Kendrick's body exhumed for a second autopsy. This time it would be conducted by a private pathologist hired by the Johnson family. On August 15th, the pathologist released a four-page document presenting all of his findings from his autopsy. So just to regroup for a minute, the initial autopsy came back saying that the cause of death was positional asphyxia and that no injuries were found on Kendrick's body. Okay, got that? Now, throw it completely out of the window because the results of the second autopsy are going to blow your mind. The pathologist notes in his findings that there was hemorrhaging found on the right side of Kendrick's neck. This pointed to the idea that the most plausible cause of death was actually blunt force trauma near the carotid artery from a fatal blow. He concludes this finding by stating that this could not be ruled an accident. But wait, unfortunately there's more. While performing the second autopsy, it was also discovered that all of Kendrick's internal organs had been removed and his body had been stuffed with old newspaper. Now, a spokesperson from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation stated that, as per their agency's policy, all organs were returned to the body after the first autopsy. Actually, CBS even quotes someone saying, those organs were in the body when we sent it back to the funeral home, and that they stand by their initial report that no foul play was involved. The Lowndes County coroner, Bill Watson, you remember him, right? The guy who performed the first autopsy? Well, he said that Kendrick's organs were in fact too badly decomposed and had to be disposed of prior to being transferred to the funeral home. Now, according to the Harrington Funeral Home, which is where Kendrick's body was transferred to, the organs were in fact missing when he arrived at the facility. They tell CBS that typically the organs are removed during an autopsy for observation and are then put into sealed plastic bags and placed back into the cavity. Now, in the case of missing organs, such as an organ donor, for instance, the body is filled with an absorbent powder or even sometimes cotton. According to a man named Vernie Fountain, who operates an embalming school in Springfield, Missouri, what happened here is extremely unusual. He said, in quotes, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who told me they've used old newspapers. There may not be any law that prohibits it. I don't know but it's just not something that's within what I would consider acceptable standards. 
um what the fuck what the fuck and i'm so happy that that guy um said that because that's exactly what i read everywhere and that's exactly what i actually have a cousin who i'm very very close with and she is a mortician so i presented this to her and all the all the possible explanations like it was to cut costs on preserving the body because the family wanted a free funeral and all the other things that i found and her response to me was that should never happen there's no reason for it and the funeral home wouldn't save any money in my head that would actually be more of a hassle during an autopsy the organs are removed and may later be placed in a bag and back into the abdominal cavity but the organ should always go back unless it's a donor body the funeral home definitely wouldn't save anything it's more in the pain of the ass a pain in the ass especially to use newspaper when they do have organ donations like the eyes, the eyes are packed with non-absorbent cotton to preserve the shape of the eye, but it would at most save a bottle or two of embalming fluid, which in the entire process isn't much. Then she said, but it does make sense to remove organs to prevent finding and to prevent findings and medications, poisons or other things ingested and things that would have been metabolized. There have been cases where funeral directors will sell bones and replace them with PVC pipes, which is completely illegal. What you're talking about is not illegal, but it's completely unethical. And I can't imagine any funeral home in this day and age would do that. You don't even have to be a mortician to realize, hey, this body shouldn't be stuffed with a newspaper. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I think it's weird that his family had no idea that this was done. Right, and the people saying, oh, because they wanted a free funeral. Like, first of all, like my cousin said, that wouldn't save them any money. It wouldn't It wouldn't affect the cost with or without the organs, first of all, because it's all done in an autopsy, not, the, not by the mortician, not by the funeral home. But if that really were the case, then the family would be made aware before it happened that this is what they were doing. Like, okay, you want to save costs? We could take his organs out and put newspaper. They had no idea. Right. And it's also confusing because the coroner says, you know, you're right. When we transferred the body, I had disposed of the organs, but because they were too badly decomposed. I, I'm, I'm sure decomposition took place in those 21 hours or by that point he was called six hours late. So who knows exactly what time he's doing this. But I can't imagine that they're so badly decomposed that they are completely rendered useless. I mean, they no, can't be used not for anything. To do that. They're not allowed to do that. She says right here that if they do remove the organs, because sometimes the autopsies do require that for decomposition and other things, they're placed in a bag and then put in the ab abdominal cavity and then sewed back into the body. That is part of the person. That is the same thing as like taking off their foot or their nose or something. You know what I'm saying? It's You can't do that. You can't send the body back to the family without parts that they were sent to you with. That's their body. You're not allowed to make decisions for their body like that unless they're an organ donor, which she wasn't. It's just like this is just like what the 19th red flag that just shows you that everything that was done about this is weird. It's secretive. It's shady. It's not down. It's not up to protocol. Everyone sees how weird it is, yet the authorities don't. And that just shows that it's not that they don't see it. It's that they're purposely pretending like they don't see it. They're not stupid. They like not, none of this is just randomly happening for no reason. I agree. And it's really strange. And it might've been a little confusing when I said it, but basically the GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation comes back and says, 
we put everything back exactly where it was supposed to go. But then the coroner is coming back and saying, I never put anything back. I got rid of it all. Where's that discrepancy coming from between the two of them? And then the funeral home is backing up Watson saying, yeah, when we got the body, there were no, you know, there was nothing in there. So if it was asphyxiation or not, and they could give a better idea of the time of death. Oh, how convenient is that for everybody? Yeah. So the funeral home is saying that they received the body with those organs missing. Um, they basically got a slap on the wrist for using the newspaper. So is it that the private the private pathologist discovered that when they exhumed the body that there mm-hmm. was no organs? Yeah, they Correct. didn't know that they didn't know that his or, his body had been stuffed with newspaper until they resume they exhumed the body in 2013. So then it was just a he said she said. They're saying that they didn't do it and they that they were already missing. He's saying that he removed them. So we don't even know what actually the f- happened. The funeral is saying the funeral home is saying they received that they received the body without the vital organs, like his lungs, his heart, just happened to be the ones that can. T- the representative for the GBI said that they returned that they put all of the organs back in. Right. It's just the guy Watson saying that he disposed of them because they were badly decomposed. And there's nothing about this guy Watson being investigated or being held accountable at all because you're not supposed to dispose of somebody's organs, no matter what. Something that I'm confused about. And so there's three autopsies that are done. I don't mention the third one because it has the exact same outcome as the second one. Yep. And so really nothing changes. But so there's the initial one that's done by Watson, according to all of these articles. So when what is the GBI talking about when they're saying we put all the organs back? Did they both separately like did he do his and then the GBI came in and they you took it upon yourself to deem this person's organs trash? Literal trash. And it just shows how shady they are, because if what they did was correct, it would be very well documented the fact that the family initially thought this was the on behalf of the funeral home they assume when they exhume the body and they see that this was done during embalming they assume it was the funeral home they would never have come to that assumption if what happened during the autopsy was like documented and i think before the body was sent to the funeral home that guy watson i guess maybe like if he's the last step if he's the one that's supposed to put the organs in a bag and then sew him up and send him on his way. Like the other people really wouldn't know what, what he did with them. They would just assume, they would just assume that he did what is, what is common practice and put them in a bag and put it in and sewed them up. So I think what happened was they thought that because they were assuming that's what was done. And he said, instead of putting them in a bag, I disposed of them. So, I mean, in my opinion, he should really be like, he's accountable for those organs being missing. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, he hasn't been held accountable from what I can see. And then the funeral home is saying that they got them, that that's how they, they got his body with no, with those vital organs missing. And they just decided to use newspaper stuff it without talking to the family at all. None of it makes sense. None of None it, of makes, it sense. makes sense. No, like, like, it, like I'm trying to wrap my head around it and I can't because. They shouldn't be conflicting. Like if that's if that's like it doesn't make any sense. And all the funeral home had a problem with the family. They said the family caused them problems and caused their reputation to come under fire and cause problems for their for their own family and whatever. But like what I don't get is if the funeral the funeral home should know the family would never have thought that if they were told the truth about what happened with their son's organs, which they should have been. It should all be documented in the autopsy report, which they received. 
if the family would have received the proper documentation, they would have never thought it was your fucking funeral home because they would know what happened. So how the funeral home, everybody blames this family. I don't understand. Everybody blames this family and has such a problem with the, with the Johnson family. It's so sick. It's like everybody's in on it. Yeah. And people, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to mention the fact that like the literal autopsy showed that like it's it wasn't asphyxia. It was blunt force, blunt force trauma. trauma. That's that's terrifyingly different than the first result. How can that not validate people enough to be like, hey, this wasn't an accident? Yeah, I mean, and through all of this, another thing is everyone seems to be kind of just blaming the fact that the family has questions about what happened. They're kind of just deflecting. Well, it wasn't me. I didn't do this. It must have been them. It wasn't me. And I'm going to go into this later on more in depth, but the entire time the family kind of has an idea of who they think is kind of driving this whole thing, you know, who made the mistakes or the cover-ups or what they did. And like I said, I'll go into it later, but I'm going to name all of the people that the family finally come forward and say, you know, this this is because of you. And it's interesting who you're going to hear is in it. Okay. I just think, yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds like this is just, it's bigger than death. This whole thing is bigger than a death at all. The reports come back, obviously, that there was blunt force trauma. But I did read in a couple articles that the area that had the blunt force trauma, it was like an inch or two. Like, that's how small it was. Mm. So people were trying to argue that in the initial report, not in the initial autopsy, but of the initial findings of when the police walked in and they observed what was on the body, someone had mentioned bruising on his neck. It's not mentioned in the autopsy report, but then in the second one, they say there is blunt force trauma. It's, I think they said three to five centimeters. I don't, I think that's an inch. I don't know. So it's very small, but it is on his carotid artery. So if, if it was enough of an impact, like that could have killed him. I mean, you can't go, putting that much pressure on your carotid artery. But that is an argument that a lot, I, I did read people making that they're making it sound like he took a bat to the neck. But really, I mean, it's it's like an inch long bruise. Like the size of a finger? Yeah. Oh, like, a lot like, of- like a finger pushing down on someone's carotid? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> no, nobody assumes a bat when you hear blunt force trauma. I, I mean, when I hear blunt force trauma, I think like I for some reason, I automatically assume the head. Mm hmm. Like, I assume that yeah. it happened on the head, but nothing, like, specifically, like, in terms of, a, like, a weapon or anything comes to mind. Oh, they were trying to make it seem like it was a bat. Like, no, they're not. They're saying what the cause of death was. The cause of death was blunt force trauma. If you think that it, that makes it sound like it was done with a bat, like, then that's your own fucking issues to deal with of why you think that. But that's no one's trying to make it seem like anything. They're listing the cause of death, which was blunt force trauma. That's it. Every step of the way of this family trying to get anywhere, it seems like there's something that people want to, like, attack this family about. So it's after receiving the official report from the second autopsy that Kendrick's family decides that it's time for them to be taken seriously and and this be looked at as a homicide investigation. They have been standing on the streets, holding up signs, begging for answers for months, and it's time that people started taking them seriously. 
A $10,000 reward is offered to the public by an anonymous donor for any information that could lead them towards finding out and arresting who had done this to their son. Now, it's also around this time that a judge orders the release of the school video surveillance, which up until now, the family has still yet to have access to. U.S. Attorney Michael Moore also comes out around this time and says that with the help of the FBI, they will investigate what happened to their son now almost a year later. So immediately after being given access to these surveillance videos, the family has some major questions. The camera that would have given them access to where the mats are being stored is completely out of focus, and it's the only one out of the four that were in the old gym that's like this. Additionally, the way that the camera is angled, there is no way to actually see the top of the mat. And remember, these are only six feet tall. So serious questions are still looming in the air, and the Johnson family is anything but satisfied with how things are proceeding. They have so many questions and concerns that have still yet to be addressed, but it's like as time goes on, things seem to be slipping out of their grasp. We're now in January of 2014, and one year has passed since the tragic death of their son, Kendrick. And honestly, they aren't much further into finding the answers to any of the questions that they have. The $10,000 reward that I mentioned earlier has now expired, Apparently they only last 90 days, and the money has been returned to the anonymous donor. It's actually Reverend Rose who at this point speaks publicly and announces that the donation has been returned and that it's really time to basically let this case go and move forward. At this point, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, along with Reverend Floyd Rose, decide that their own investigation that they've been doing by the request of the Johnson family is now over, and they actually agree with the initial report from authorities that this was all just a tragic accident. Time continues to pass, but the Johnson family refuses to give up hope. They're demanding that justice be served. The Harrington funeral home that Kendrick's body had been transferred to is accused by the Johnson family for fraud and negligence in regards to the missing internal organs. They made claims that the funeral home wasn't telling the truth about what happened to everything that was supposed to be inside of his body. His parents believe that they were disposed of to interfere with law enforcement's investigation. Another lawsuit is filed by the Johnsons, but this time against the Lowndes County Board of Education, the superintendent, and the principal. The suit alleged that Kendrick had been assaulted and subsequently lost his life, and that the school had been negligent in dealing with an issue that Kendrick had previously had with another student. His parents went on to say that he had reported being attacked 14 months earlier by this student, and the school board had done nothing to rectify it. They mentioned that the student had a tendency of provoking and attacking Kendrick at school, and that Jackie even spoke to the school about it herself in regards to the safety and protection of her son. The suit also alleged that the school officials had failed to, quote, properly monitor the activities of students throughout all areas of campus and to maintain a properly functioning surveillance system. Then, in January of 2015, the Johnsons filed a $100 million civil suit against 38 different individuals. This group of people included, well, honestly, basically every person I've mentioned so far in this episode. But I want to talk about the classmate that Kendrick had altercations with for a moment. There were actually two of them. Their names were Brian and Brandon Bell, and the Johnsons were absolutely convinced that they were behind what had happened to their son. And another interesting tidbit of information about these two? They were the sons of a local FBI investigator. 
The family was convinced that there was some sort of massive cover-up going on, including this particular agent, the former sheriff, and the Lowndes County School Superintendent. So amidst all of this, Attorney General Michael Moore and the FBI are still conducting their own in investigation into what happened to Kendrick. Michael acknowledges that it is taking them way longer than anticipated to close the case because it had proven to be much more complicated than they originally thought. In 2015, the Department of Justice said that allowing a civil suit to continue while the federal investigation was still ongoing could potentially have a negative effect on their outcome. So Jackie and Kenneth decided to drop their wrongful death lawsuit, citing that they would refile it after the federal investigation concluded. Unfortunately, after dropping their civil case, Kendrick's parents were then countersued for more than $850,000 in attorney fees and $1 million in defamation damages amongst the 38 people they had originally filed against. Then on June 20, 2016, the United States Department of Justice announced something that would be some of the most detrimental news the family had heard since Kendrick's death. The DOJ noted in regards to the criminal charges related to his death, in quotes, after extensive investigation into this tragic event, federal investigators determined that there is insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone or some group of people willfully violated Kendrick Johnson's civil rights or committed any other prosecutable federal crime. By the time the dust settles from this awful news, Georgia Judge Richard Porter ruled that in total the Johnsons would pay more than $292,000 in legal fees to those accused in their civil suit. So not only are they unable to get the justice for Kendrick that they so desperately had been fighting for for years, they also have to pay money to the people that they truly believed were responsible for his death in the first place. I don't even want to sound controversial, but like that's not happening in today's day and age where the family is not being heard. Why is this family any, why is this family different? I don't understand. Right. And it's crazy because for this to basically all be for nothing when it was, it did have traction at some point, you know, people had seen the photo that the parents posted and a lot of people were like, no, this was not an accident. And then it's just, they get hit so many times. That's what makes me think that there's just bigger, it's, it's coming from, right. Like when you're at a company and it, it starts to come from above and it goes above and above. And then there as soon, there's nothing anybody can do about it. When it starts to come from a certain level of above quote unquote, it's going to like this, it makes no sense that this is not getting the attraction from like celebrities, that this is not like an Instagram hashtag. This is, I mean, it is, but not like the others. No. It's not. There's no riots. There's no nothing. Like this makes no sense. This makes me think that somebody somewhere is keeping this all exactly where they need to be, which is at bay. And on top of everything else, to get such a big fuck you at the end, they literally manipulated them into dropping their suit by telling them like it's fake favorable for you it's favorable for you to drop it so we can pursue it longer and then they drop it and then they use that and then hit them back that is the level like the amount and of balls and made them the pay it's crazy it's so this family insane has no money this family has no money right now they're they have nothing and they're using every dime they have to keep this going i i think we kind of touched on it earlier when i mentioned the family Attempts oh, wait, to yeah. file a suit against the funeral home. Mm -hmm. I think you made a good point earlier where 
you know, that that lawsuit never would have been a thing if they had known from the get go that they had nothing to do with it. Their son's organs were long gone before his body ever got to the funeral home. So it's common sense. That's common sense for the funeral home to be annoyed with the family. They should never be in that position. This is not their fucking first day. It's not their first rodeo. It's not Mm -hmm. their time receiving somebody with no organs. It's not their first time embalming, embalming somebody where they're replacing organs. It's not, it's nobody's first fucking time here. There should be, it should be no questions asked. Like it's procedure. It's a procedural thing for the Johnson family to think that it was the funeral home as their first thought should tell the funeral home that something went wrong in the procedures. And it definitely did, but it definitely didn't matter because they were definitely in on it. I don't care what anybody fucking says. They definitely mm-hmm. were paid off. They were paid off to not One, ask questions. 1,000%. Because in I, my think, I think there's a procedure on their end too, that when they receive a body that they are replacing that they need to replace organs for, I believe there's something they need to see as to why. And I'm sure they were wondering, again, not their first time, where's the, why is it not in the abdominal cavity? There's, there's something, there's something, there's a procedure, there's something, there's a box that needs to be checked or some type of like something that they sign off on before they go and stuff a fucking human body with shit. There's something, it's not that they just get it and say, oh, he's missing a heart. Let's stuff him. Like they have to know ahead of time and it has to be documented. There's no way that it wasn't. I also think that the lack of documentation, the lack of order or procedure that was followed just shines a light on the fact that it, something happened that forced them to like last minute change something like they didn't have they didn't have enough time they were given uh, allegedly in my opinion i think they were given instruction they were given instruction so last minute and so like this has to be done that they didn't have time to make documentation and i think because there's a lack of documentation it could only point to that reason because there's no other reason a funeral home that does this all the time would have not have sufficient information to back up why a body was empty or why it was stuffed with newspaper there has to be a reason and in my opinion that reason has to be that someone like made them do this in a very fast-paced manner without having to, being able to ask questions to why because there's no answer all there is is deflection from them so when, when someone's guilty of something what do they do they deflect they deflect they deny they just try to be defensive about it instead of having actually you know what i have this this and this that states i did this that i did that i did this for this reason there's yeah, none it of should that. never be a question. The fact that they had to contact the GBI, the GBI says one thing, then they have to contact the actual person who performed the autopsy. He says another thing. Then they have to contact the funeral home. And the funeral, it, it's, it should not be word of mouth if they get this information. Everything is supposed to have been documented when it happened before any of these things took place. Just the fact that there's no fucking documentation about that they had to go searching for answers from people to get these to get, to get these questions answered that's like who doesn't see that and says there was foul play here something is wrong you guys violated procedure this is not protocol there's only one reason that you do that and i need to know why i'm pissed i'm real pissed right now i forgot how pissed i was about this case uh, and don't and, and like i don't even know where to begin with the fact that these the boys that he's had so much issue with their father happens to just you know coincidentally be an FBI investigator? I don't think he was just an FBI investigator. I think he was retired from an extremely high up position in the FBI. Right, Katie? I don't think he was just an FBI investigator. He wasn't just some like 
some guy at the agency. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he was very high ranking. Someone who would know exactly what organs need to be removed to um, remove the possibility of what actually happened to them. I always felt like the kids did it and they fucked up and they said, call dad, he'll know how to fix this. And that's what happened. I that's was- what I would assume happened. Like they were trying to fuck around. They were trying to pull a prank on him and it, it went too far. Yeah. Well, I heard they were in a fight. I heard they were in a fight already about the ex-girlfriend, about the kid's ex-girlfriend. I actually heard from people on Reddit, like in the Reddit subthreads, that you know how in high school there used to be like a scheduled fight? Like, oh, I'm going to fight yeah. you. Like, meet me at the bleachers. We're going to fight. Mm-hmm. I heard there was a scheduled fight that Kendrick didn't show up for. because, And it was over the ex-girlfriend. And that's what a lot of people were saying, that there's a lot about the ex-girlfriend. There's pictures all over the Reddit threads of the ex-girlfriend. That there was a scheduled fight that he didn't show up for. That at lunchtime that day, he was like online to get his lunch. And he realized he would have to basically like pass them or or be shoulder to shoulder with them in the line for lunch. So he chose not to eat lunch. Like there's a lot of things saying that like he knew they were going to fight that day. And a fight, uh, you know, a fight between them would logistically make sense for the crime scene a fight Mm -hmm. makes sense logic always prevails in a lot of these crime cases because they try to make it complicated and confusing and and hide this and that when like a logical explanation like hey these guys got into a fight with this kid they know who their dad is they know that they could be fixed like that makes sense like I'm a normal person right I, I don't have any you know I'm not a professional in any standpoint of this magnitude but like if i as a normal human being can see that there's nothing right with this case how is a person of authority going to also see that there's nothing foul play about this case it just it just i don't get it there's nothing right about it and it's not just speculate a lot of times like we are fed things in the media that make us think that we know that like that it's logic and everybody would think the same thing. It's common sense and what's being told to us is a lie or whatever but like this is now seven years now this has been seven years since he was since he passed and the information is always the same there's no breaking news breaking evidence like there's nothing like there's no there's nothing coming out that's different it's all exactly the same and then it makes you think that you're crazy when like you're not and like you think logically and yeah and it's just like the power that that has like of them just like they literally like laughed in the face of this family by like they manipulated every aspect of this and then on top of that to throw them back a lawsuit for them just grasping at the fact of trying to like get help and like get someone to listen like if you can't get them to listen when you're in help like god god help me if i'm ever in a situation like what i would do with i wouldn't trust anybody i'm gonna read you something from a local news station that they put out an article. Last month, video analysis from the FBI cleared Brian Bell, a former LHS student of involvement in Johnson's death. Analysis of school surveillance footage concluded Bell and another student not related to Bell were, in quotes, not in the general vicinity of the old gym where Johnson was last seen. Bell's brother, Brandon, was off campus traveling to a wrestling match at the time Johnson was last seen. So the so the video surveillance footage didn't have anything about Kendrick but so happened to coincidentally make sure it had on camera to to see have the bell kid not be anywhere near Kendrick so it did so it so it did pick them up that's what we were saying before it did pick them up not like they're on camera in the hours that they think this happened 
they're on camera, but it doesn't say where. It just says, after reviewing the footage, we can tell you he wasn't in the old gym. Uh-huh. Okay. Who gives a fuck if he wasn't in the old gym? Well, I wanted, well, the thing is, they removed all the fucking organs that would tell his time of death, so they can't tell for sure. But in his, appro- like, if they're approximating a time of death, they say he walked in the gym at 119 and he never came out. His weightlifting class was at whatever time. So it would have had to be in between 119 or 109, whatever you said. Mm-hmm. In between that time and him being at his wrestling class when he died. It has to be Which would have been relatively shortly, you know, how long is the class? 42 minutes? So yeah. let's say he was 10 minutes ahead of schedule. So you, you're looking at like 50 minutes. Let's longer. just say it was one hour. Let's just say it was between 109 and 209. Are mm-hmm. they saying that they have these boys on camera between 109 and 209 in other places? They are saying that they have Brian Bell on camera. Showing when? that he's not in the old gym. It does not say. It just says. It doesn't federal, say what time. Federal Bureau of Investigation cleared Brian Bell, a former LHS student, of involvement in Johnson's death. Yeah, does I don't it, know. It doesn't say. he. That, okay, so it says they weren't in the footage where he was killed. But it doesn't say when. Where. And, and where they were in the time that he died. So where were they? Where were they between 109 and 209? I don't know, and I feel like that's a pretty simple way to end all of this. Mm-hmm. Just oh, release yeah. the footage with the timestamp. Look at 110. I was across the floor in the courtyard. Yeah, where where the fuck were you? between? Where were you at, at any time in that hour? I'll take any time. At any time between 109 and 209, where the fuck were you? It's all bullshit. What do you guys think happened? I think that he got in a fight with those kids. It went too far. They killed him. And they called their dad. And he took care of it, took care of it from every aspect. But I do wonder if that's what, like, I do wonder why this is so hush-hush and this family is being fucking persecuted the way that they are. I do wonder why they people want this family to go away and stop so bad. Because today, in 2020, that doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense why so many people are working against a family looking justice for their black son. Makes no sense to me. I feel like... The reason why this has become so hush-hush and so we need to silence this family is because I think what you said, Marissa, is right. It was something that started out as one thing. It went too far. And I personally think the dad stepped in to try and cover it up. And the only way to officially cover it up was to get so many different high-level people involved, like the superintendent, the county sheriff, the coroner, the funeral home funeral home like they had to get so many people involved so quickly to keep this from blowing up that it got to the point where it was like well if this comes out our whole town We're all is being fucked. shut down mm-hmm. yeah it's like the end of of everything there right like the end of the police department the hospitals the emergency the medical examiner like small business big business it's really the end of everything there are certain people that have the power that no matter what evidence will come forward It'll be squashed. It'll be washed away. It'll listen. These people threw out his insides and didn't and like without any worry or care about it and didn't get it was not they weren't punished for it. They can they can do whatever they want at this point. 
The only people it. who tried to punish them are the Johnsons. They named the they named everyone. They named the GBI. They named the coroner. They named the sheriff. They named multiple deputies. They named the boys. This is all in their lawsuit, their civil suit that was going against the 38 people. They were like, if you're not going to try and take responsibility or find out who is responsible for this, then we're going to bring all of you into this because essentially it's looking a lot like it was a little bit of a domino effect and somebody fucked up and then continued tagging everyone around them to help them fix the situation and now you're all guilty so I yeah it was itchy i'm itchy did you see me itching my neck yes. i'm itchy i'm fucking itchy i'm getting itchy hives because i like something obviously we know this is bigger than the death of a, a high school boy this is what they're doing they're never going to get caught for covering up because what they're doing is much bigger than death i think that's my opinion. But what the fuck? Like, this family cannot catch a single break. Yeah, it's just about, honestly, the worst ending. Because there is no ending. This. Right. There's no ending. They have nothing in their mind has been solved. They have absolutely no answers as to why Kendrick is gone. And to add insult to injury, all of the people who they think are responsible for this are now getting paid by them. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. But before I go, I want you to take a listen to a video posted by Kendrick's mother on YouTube just two months ago. So let, I come to let y'all know that we are not worried about what they keep doing. They, they little tactics that they keep trying. Because I come to serve them notice that the Johnsons ain't going nowhere no matter what lawsuit y'all dismiss. You can dismiss your mammoths lawsuit but the johnsons ain't going nowhere because y'all don't kill the wrong child and we are not going nowhere when it comes to kendrick johnson there is nothing that these people can do to get us off the right track we don't have fair attorneys we don't have this we don't have that the more y'all try to get in the more y'all make us push a little bit harder guess what we bouncing back believe that there's never a time that you can make knock us down and we can't never get back up. And you ain't gonna knock us all the way. My, you might bend us and shake us and rock us a little bit. But guess who gonna come back out on top? You just watch what I say. Kendra Johnson will get justice. Y'all talking about us with bogus lawsuit. Y'all the one got all the bogus lawsuit. Try to get in the media and explain that bull crap which y'all keep writing about. But we still are not worried about you. We're gonna fight y'all until the end for Kendrick Johnson. I just want y'all to know, because I know y'all on my live, and I know y'all going to search it up and down, through and through. I ain't got to talk about y'all, but I'm going to talk about Kendrick Johnson. That, that's what I'm going to talk about. Y'all do not worry us when it comes to Kendrick Johnson, because we know sooner or later, Kendrick Johnson going to get justice. You can run, but you can't hide, because y'all ain't nothing but cold-blooded murders. And the people that help them, y'all cold-blooded murders, too. So do know that the Johnsons are not going nowhere. No matter what they they say, no matter what they write in the paper, no matter what they put on the internet, they cannot put no fear in our heart when it comes to Kendrick Johnson. You got the wrong child, you got the wrong child parents when it comes to Kendrick Johnson. Please know that Kendrick Johnson life matter before y'all took it and it dang sure matter now. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. 
Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 30flirtycrime and on Twitter at 30flirtycrimepod. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to check back every Thursday for a brand new episode on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public. guys that wraps up this week's episode but before i go i want you to take a listen to a video posted by kendrick's mother on youtube just two months ago so let i come to let y'all know that we are not worried about what they keep doing they they little tactics that they keep trying because i come to serve them notice that the johnsons ain't going nowhere no matter what lawsuit y'all dismiss you can dismiss your mammas lawsuit but the johnsons ain't going nowhere because y'all don't kill the wrong child and we are not going nowhere when it comes to kendrick johnson there is nothing that these people can do to get us off the right track we don't have failed attorneys we don't have this we don't have that the more y'all try to get in the more y'all make us push a little bit harder guess what we bouncing back believe that there's never a time that you can make knock us down and we can't never get back up. And you ain't gonna knock us all the way. My, you might bend us and shake us and rock us a little bit. But guess who gonna come back out on top? You just watch what I say. Kendra Johnson will get justice. Y'all talking about us with bogus lawsuit. Y'all the one got all the bogus lawsuit. Try to get in the media and explain that bull crap which y'all keep writing about. But we still are not worried about you. We gonna fight y'all until the end for Kendra Johnson. I just want y'all to know, because I know y'all on my live, and I know y'all going to search it up and down, through and through. I ain't got to talk about y'all, but I'm going to talk about Kendra Johnson. That, that's what I'm going to talk about. Y'all do not worry us when it comes to Kendra Johnson, because we know sooner or later Kendra Johnson going to get justice. You can run, but you can't hide, because y'all ain't nothing but cold-blooded murders. And the people that help them, y'all cold-blooded murders too. So do know that the Johnsons are not going nowhere. No matter what they they say, no matter what they write in the paper, no matter what they put on the internet, they cannot put no fear in our heart when it comes to Kendrick Johnson. You got the wrong child, you got the wrong child parents when it comes to Kendrick Johnson. Please know that Kendrick Johnson life matter before y'all took it and it dang show matter now. Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 30flirtycrime and on Twitter at 30flirtycrimepod. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to check back every Thursday for a brand new episode on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public.